This film has been modified from its original version. It has been formatted to fit this screen. Welcome to Syndicated Cinephiles. Hello and welcome to the season finale of Syndicated Cinephiles, the podcast where we talk about movies you've seen a million times because they were on TV. I'm your guest host, Annie Youngwood, and my guest today is the very wonderful, splendid, one-of-a-kind Madeline Cook. Thank you for having me, Annie. Um, It's a pleasure. This is just a really close-to-home project that I've been working on. (laughs) It's really been near and dear to your heart. It's been near and dear to my heart. Uh, Life Dream actually started, you know, blueprinting this in high school. Should we, should we briefly discuss why we came up with this idea? So let's talk about it. Yeah. You initially came to me with this idea, mm-hmm. and you were like, be on it, mama, mm-hmm. be on it. And I was like, this is a great idea. I would love to be on this. I can't be on this. <laughs> because this is a specific thing that happened to children with cable growing up. I did not have that. I had PBS, so I had Masterpiece Theater, and they didn't do reruns. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, being a PBS kid is like being a Dickensian orphan. Like, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but like the kids in school, you'd be like, let's watch Cyber Chase. <laughs> we weren't, this is the thing, you may feel that way, but you saying that to a PBS kid, <laughs> our brains are actually so much bigger than yours. <laughs> And so you're saying that, and I'm just like an orb floating in space. Like, I'm just like, that's nice, human. You, you say that to me, and all I am is the baby at the end of 2001. Right. And <laughs> I'm, I'm just in my like, orb. I've seen your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, I, ju- I think that is people's perception. We're like, oh, that was tough. No, it wasn't. Cyber Chase was a good show. Dragon Tales was a good show. <laughs> Like, like the Masterpiece Theater is incredible. Yeah. It's all Jane Austen. I like, I know a good romance structure oh, because yeah. I watched PBS. You're definitely more cultured than the rest of us, I guess I would say. The rest of us who... I'm white liberal cultured. <laughs> because PB. I mean, Masterpiece Theater, a lot of PBS is just shit from the BBC. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, yeah, just, just give us that. <laughs> you intellectual Brits, you. Mm. And like, that was... That was the whole, well, there are, there were like local shows, but I never watched any of them. I was there for like the cartoons and then whenever Masterpiece was on and the little, the little orchestra plays and the book flips open and it's like Masterpiece Theater. Like, you know, I was on one episode of one of the local shows as which like a, one? a teen, um, Into the Outdoors. When do you go outside? <laughs> that is like the least <laughs> Madeline Cook. Was it about you being miserable? <laughs> I had to talk about cows. Was it about you standing, like, walking out into, like, a woods just, like, outside of a, sur- a suburban neighborhood and being like, how do I get water? I have no cell signal. How am I going to listen to my podcast? And your little white kids being like, let's go on a hike. <laughs> my white kids come back dirty as shit. Dirty as shit. There's no grip on them. You're slipping on every rock you step on. <laughs> No, I had to talk about cows. It was about, I had to go to like a farm and be like, this is how dairy farms Wait, so work. was this like a paid acting gig? Yeah, it was my first paid act. I, my only paid acting gig ever in my life. <laughs> Rip. Peak cut, 14. Cut, cut that. <laughs> Edit that out. Edit that out, please. <laughs> All right, well, 
let's get into it. Madeline, Mm -hmm. what movie did you bring today? I picked the hit 2008 film. Was it a hit? Do we know? (laughs) In my mind, it was. (laughs) In my mind, it was too. Um, Starring Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, Baby Mama. Baby Mama. Baby Mama. 2008, Mm -hmm. Mama. Yes. Blockbuster comedy. That's the category. Mm -hmm. Category is blockbuster comedy. Yes. Um, general memories of the film. Like when you think of that, thinking back on that film, what are the sort of nostalgic images or phrases? Because I have mine. Because you picked, you picked a very good one because I have seen this. I didn't have, I didn't see this a million times Mm -hmm. over TV because it was playing on a channel. Mm -hmm. I saw it a million times because I went to Blockbuster a million (laughs) times or I went to the library a million times and I rented it because I loved this movie. So literally like it's so, it's kismet, it's serendipitous. Like you chose this movie and it is also kind of my million times seeing movie as well or one of them. I I feel like definitely these movies, these pre-bridesmaid female-led comedies Mm -hmm. are so important to people our age because we were like you know 10 or 11 when these movies were coming out and Mm -hmm. so it was like just a little too inappropriate for us where it was like pg-13 so it's kind of edgy but yeah i mean for me a lot of it's like the montages and stuff that i think about all the time yes i think about uh like the final all is lost montage to that kobe calais christmas song Yes. I mean, we're going to have to go on a tangent about the soundtrack of this film because for me, the opening montage with the talking heads, yeah. great opening montage. Yeah. That That's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. But yes, the Christmas montage, yeah. very When Harry Met Sally, yes. like... It's it's very uh, yeah the holidays the holidays it and makes I'm missing you. Think of you. what's important. Yes, it makes you think of what's important. The yeah. woman who was you paid to carry your baby. <laughs> so general memories. Okay, so for you it was that Christmas montage. A little bit, yeah, and just like so. There's so many silly jokes that are perfect for a tween. Well, that's interesting. For me, it was more like how things were delivered more so than actual funny lines. Mm. I don't remember laughing out loud at like written lines in this movie. Mm. I remember laughing at Amy Poehler's delivery of lines without understanding what she was even talking about. Yeah, yeah. I There are a couple times in this movie that lines kind of, I didn't realize how, they're not that funny, but just the way that people say them is so specific. Yeah. And one of them is when Amy Poehler is pretending to not be herself. She says, do come in <laughs> to Greg Kinnear, who's there. So I wrote this down. If we're just on the topic of Amy Poehler in this movie, yeah, she's the movie. Yeah. For I wrote this down. I said Holland Tunnel was the opening act, like opening opening comic for Amy Poehler in this movie. Mm-hmm. Nothing really funny happens until Tina Fey visits her family. You mean Holland Taylor? I thought her name was Holland Tunnel. (laughs) No, I think that's an actual tunnel. No. (laughs) No! She's... Her name is not Holland Holland Tunnel. Tunnel. Let me see. Holland Taylor. Oh, it is an actual tunnel, though. (laughs) Isn't it in New York? It's in New York. You lived there, bitch. I didn't go anywhere. (laughs) Okay. Holland Tunnel. Okay, hold on. Great drag name. So, 
I haven't written down here. Mm-hmm. Holland Taylor is like the opening comic for Amy Poehler, who comes in, and then the comedy of the movie actually starts. Yeah. Because what's unfortunate about this movie for me is that Tina Fey plays the straight man mm-hmm. to Amy Poehler, and she doesn't get a lot of jokes. No. The joke to page ratio before Amy Poehler comes in is so bad. Yeah. Like, it's low. She, I'm not sure if we even get a joke. I think even, it, it was like, back in the day, I think some of her comments were considered jokes. Like, she gets to be kind of mean to Zagorny Weaver, which is so funny. Yeah. That peop, everyone's judging her for having a surrogate, and then she's judging Sigourney Weaver for being an old mom. Woman yeah. and having good eggs. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, so we get to have her, you know, make jokes at Sigourney Weaver's expense, and then there's a couple lines in there where she gets to say something mildly snarky, not super funny, but that's, like, all the comedy she's allowed to have, other than being dismayed. Tina Fey's character does not hold up today. She's the worst woman. Yeah. Like, she's rich. She works for essentially Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. She's like Whole Foods exec. Mm-hmm. She literally, the movie is about her learning to like care about the human woman carrying her baby and not just like caring for her as like a vessel holding the fetus. Yes. She cares more about the fetus than Amy Poehler. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's an ing- that's an aggressively unlikable character. Yeah. And so that she has not aged well. No. The character has not aged well. But mm-hmm. I say that like Holland Taylor is the opening act because th- we get th- the first sort of funny line where she's like don't adopt a black baby. <laughs> And I'm just like, work, okay. All these celebrities parading around their black babies. Yes. Don't become one of <laughs> Don't them. Don't become one of them. And I'm just like, okay, all right. Somebody somebody, somebody who wrote, the, whoever wrote the script, they, they wrote a joke down. Yeah. Love that. I also love, that's, there's so many moments in this film that really punch you back into being in 2008. Namely, the fact that like Angelina Jolie, it was like novel that she adopted all these kids of different ethnicities and like Sandra Bullock adopted a black baby too. Like Mm -hmm. it's, that is not a joke that you would make anymore because that's not like a thing that people are talking about at all. I mean, that's, that's extremely true. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to 2008. So when is the last time you watched this movie and what was the situation? I'm pretty sure it was in, I was in high school and it was probably before my sister graduated high school, and she's two years older than me. If I had to guess a year, I would say some, some, sometime around 2013 would be my guess. Okay, and then, so, I didn't have cable. Mm-hmm. But you're saying this was, this aired for a number of years. It seemed like it, yeah. So, this is, I'm going to introduce a game into the show, <laughs> which is entitled, How Well Does Annie Know Cable Channels? <laughs> uh, the How Well Does Annie Know are you going to try to guess what channel this yeah, is Yeah, I'm going to try to guess what channel or channels aired this. Mm-hmm. Because I think I know a grand total of five cable channels. Mm-hmm. Gonna, I'm going to knock out HBO. I don't think HBO was playing Baby Mama. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to go for TBS, which I think are the letters mm-hmm. for that. And I think I'm going to go to maybe... Like, I don't know if Adult Swim played films that weren't, like, Adult Swim produced, but I'm going to go for Adult Swim as well. So you know that's not technically a channel, correct? Right. Well, it's, like, Nickelodeon. Cartoon Network, but yeah. Cartoon Network. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
That's those are my guesses, and those are two out of the five channels that I know. <laughs> the rest are AMC, HBO, and the Nature Channel, <laughs> National Geographic, whatever yes. Shark Week's on. Yes. So in my memory, this aired predominantly on Comedy Central. Oh, that's also a channel. That is a channel. Wow. Yeah. That that network is what brought us like Broad City and yes. Workaholics and stuff. Yes. But they would show movies. And that's where you would see like any kind of like raunchy, really silly comedy. Like they would air all the Will Ferrell, you know, mm-hmm. Talladega Nights on there. Mm-hmm. I do think TBS might have also aired Baby Mama at some point because yes. they, they did comedy movies a lot. And then I wouldn't be surprised if E showed this every once in a while. because it's E? A, e, because it's a rom-com. E would show rom-coms. Actually, yes, it is a rom-com. Mm-hmm. I will get to this, but Greg Kinnear and... Tina Fey mm-hmm. play a romantic couple mm-hmm. there that are courting each other. Um, and I buy it. I buy it too. I surprisingly buy it. I know. But we're still in 2008. Yeah. You, you are a middle schooler. Yes. Do you remember when you first saw it? I definitely first saw it on TV. This was not a movie that my family would have, that my parents would have taken You did not go see it in, in April of 2008 when it was in theaters. I did not. Okay. I did not. I think I would have been 11. Same. I did not see it then. Yeah. Any kind of comedy involving sex or like sex jokes at all. Your that parents was, were like. Yeah. Not until we were like, not until I was probably 13 were the both of us comfortable in being in the same room mm-hmm. hearing like innuendo. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think the first time I watched it was probably, I don't know how soon after it came out that they started airing it. I would guess 2009 at the latest, probably like a year after it came out. So I was probably like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I definitely saw it on Comedy Central. How many times do you think over the however many years? Is it in the hundreds? No. <laughs> but seeing at least pieces of it, I would guess somewhere in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I did the math on this, mm-hmm. speaking for myself. I absolutely, I remember, I know for a fact that I must have been in the sixth grade mm-hmm. because the movie came out in April 2008. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in the eighth grade or the sixth grade in the fall of 2008 because my history teacher was obsessed with Obama. (laughs) She loved Obama. She had in her room, she had like a little political cartoon of Obama. And it's like with the big ears, like Uh a characterization of him. Yeah. And I remember like asking her being like, why do you have this if you like him? She's like, it's a positive cartoon. I was like, he looks silly though. And she's just like, (laughs) So a silly, like, drawing of somebody isn't necessarily always bad. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, life is complex. I was like, man, that's You were like, deep. I think I just learned what nuance is. I think I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Miss Vina, you are mother. <laughs> Miss Vina, <sighs> look at you. Yeah, she had depths. Ms. And she Vina. loves Barack. She loved Barack. Oh. She was like, he's going to be president. And I was she like, was right. She was right. <laughs> but that was like such an icon. I just remember like it's such an iconic sort of year because of that election. Yeah. It was sixth grade. Like it was my first first year of middle school. Like I, I learned that I needed to start wearing deodorant. <laughs> it is also when you're old enough to like understand what a presidential election is. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like pre-middle school, you're like, wait, who's doing what? Mm-hmm. And then once you're in middle school, you're like, oh, this is the person that my parents vote for, or this 
person is bad and here's why. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So why don't you give us, for those, I'm assuming a lot of people have seen this movie. I would hope. Because, I mean, if we look at the whole time it came out, and just just before we did this, I was doing a little bit of research. And so Tina Fey left SNL in 2006. Okay. And Amy Poehler left in 2008. Mm-hmm. They they did Weekend up to d- Update together, which is probably one of the most iconic things that they like did together. Like, they were a duo mm-hmm. for a couple of years where it was like they dominated the nation a Oh, yeah. Bit. Because Amy could do Hillary, and Tina was doing Sarah Palin. Yeah. They they had done Weekend Update, first two, like, female mm-hmm. Weekend Update duo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, like, 2005 to, like, 2008 was just, like, juicy for them. Yeah. They, they were really capitalizing on their whole shebang. Mm-hmm. And so... Given my current knowledge, because I have no consciousness of, like, how this film was released or advertised, Mm -hmm. but looking at how SNL members leave the show and they're kind of like, oh, you're going to miss me on this? Check me out in this show that's starring me or this movie that's starring me where I'm kind of doing the same thing that Mm -hmm. I was doing on SNL. And so I would not at all be surprised if that was how Baby Mama was kind of rolled out. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, so 30 Rock started in 2007. Mm -hmm. So Tina left SNL and I guess immediately started working on that. I believe Parks and Rec was 2009, I want to say. 2008 or 2009. That early? Yeah. It was early. It did feel like Amy did more movies for a minute there than Mm. Tina Fey did. Because Mm -hmm. also, I don't remember when this movie came out. But we also have like Blades of Glory, which has Amy Poehler, but not Tina Fey. Ooh. Yeah. I think Amy did a little more like silly movie stuff. Yeah. Whereas Tina didn't do as many movies because she went straight to 30 Rock. When I think Amy Poehler in a movie, other than this one, I think Wet Hot. Oh, yeah. And when did that come out? Well, that's 2001. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know anything. <laughs> so why don't you give us a lowdown of the plot of Baby Mama? The plot of the critically acclaimed. Critically acclaimed. Which, by the way, when I went on to Peacock and I, I, I selected Baby Mama, mm-hmm. they have the fucking Rotten Tomatoes meter and they truly said this got a 65% by critics mm-hmm. and audiences, it was like 55%. And I was like... I do not recall that being the ratio. I thought this was a home run. Well, this is the question, though. In the sixth grade, were you on the forums? Were you on? Were you looking at the Rotten Tomato meter at the sixth grade, or were you watching this movie and being like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen," and I telling wasn't. no one exactly, and communicating that and having that discussion with absolutely not a soul? When you're a kid, you're like, "It's on TV," and mm-hmm. two of my friends have also seen it. Yeah, that means everybody loves it. Yes, <laughs> um, I love it, so everyone loves it. Yes. So the basic plot of Baby Mama. Tina Fey plays an unmarried 37-year-old Whole Foods exec, but works for this company called Round Earth, fake Whole Foods. And she has like baby mania. Like she wants a baby so badly. She tries to get a sperm donor and then she finds out that because of the shape of her uterus, she cannot like carry a child. Um, She goes to see a surrogacy specialist played by Sigourney Weaver 
who assigns her a surrogate, which is Amy Poehler, who's kind of, I mean, she even says it in the movie, like white trash. To use Tina Fey's words. Yes, yes. to use Tina Fey's own words, she is white trash. They get the procedure done, and then we don't find out until later that it didn't take, and Amy Poehler was for a minute there scamming Tina Fey's character because she needed the money and didn't think she was pregnant. So for part of the movie, she's pretending to be pregnant. She finds out she really is pregnant, but with her boyfriend, Dax Shepard's baby. Husband. Common Common law law husband. (laughs) Common law. Incredible. Incredible, incredible, like, opening. Yes. Like, where she comes out with a belt that says Angie. Yes. And she says, you told me to tell you when you're being an idiot and you're being an idiot. This is my husband, common law. He always says that. (laughs) In the meantime, Tina Fey meets Greg Kinnear, who works at a juice place. They start dating and whatever. And then they get in a fight and stop seeing each other. And then Tina Fey finds out that Amy Poehler is indeed not carrying her child and feels betrayed. They are not friends anymore. Then after 20 minutes... And some some talks not about even feelings. Not even twenty minutes. <laughs> Nine minutes. A three minute montage. <laughs> Sorry, that would be a. Th- I think what you're looking for is three minute three montage. Three minute montage. Um, they they talk and they apologize. Both of them kind of apologize to each other. They become friends again, mm-hmm. and then Tina Fey finds out that she's pregnant at the end of the movie. One in a million. One in a million million With Greg Kinnear's baby. And they all live happily ever after and they're all friends now. Yes. There is a closing montage of them with Amy Poehler's daughters. The fetus fetus of the film's first birthday. Yes. She's a baby now. Stefani. Stefani. What a serve. Enormous serve. (laughs) Um... You loved this movie when it when we wa- you watched it when you were eleven or twelve. Yeah, I also loved this movie mm-hmm. when I watched it when I was eleven or twelve. Watching it at twenty six. <laughs> How old are you? Twenty six. No, myself twenty seven. Uh, how are we feeling about the film? Because <laughs> I think it was it was it was perfect for me to revisit this because mm-hmm. it had just enough nostalgia that I was able to get something new out of it and be like, we've come a long way Mm -hmm. in terms of the things that we make jokes about and the things that we think are okay Mm -hmm. to talk about and do. Um, We've come a long way. It was never bad enough that I deep full body cringed. No. No, which was good. Because Um, all of that stuff was fully embedded in humor. Yes. In dislikable characters yes. or deeply flawed characters, where it's like, of course they're saying this, they're shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And I, because I hadn't seen it in about ten years, would be my guess. Mm-hmm. It was really so such a nostalgic treat for me that I was able to just ride the nostalgia waves and have like a really great time. Mm-hmm. It definitely is not as funny as I remember it because I'm not ten. Agreed. Yes. However. <laughs> I did write down, there are some good lines Mm -hmm. or like little moments where I was like, oh, that like, I didn't necessarily laugh out loud, but I was, my brain was like, that is funny. That's technically funny. And like, 
while I did not laugh out loud, um, I got the sort of feeling in my brain mm-hmm. as if I did laugh. Yes. You know, I found it charming. Yes. I would have chuckled. Yeah. Um, One of a, a line that like stuck out to me this time that I forgot about that it, it surprised me so much that I, I did laugh out loud mm-hmm. is after Amy Poehler and Dak Shepard like break up near the end of the movie, he mm-hmm. goes, I'm going to bang all your friends. Consider them <laughs> all, all banged. banged. <laughs> and he drives off. Um, just a few here, because if we go back to my nostalgia and what I remember of the movie. Mm-hmm. Opening montage and um, Amy Poehler's entire wardrobe. Yeah. We're going to have, you'll so see. So 2000s. We'll save it. We'll see. You'll see. And then um, the health food and like the prenatal vitamin C. So for me, like the health food, like the pea soup, which gets two appearances, few appearances in this film. Um, (laughs) I really related to that because my mom would buy the Trader Joe's soup that was pea soup that was like in that container and stuff and kind of dump it out. My mom was a huge health food nut. And so I was like, this is gross. Like, yeah, when I, Amy Poehler dumps it out into the dish and she immediately goes, I don't want this. <laughs> I'm not eating this. But I mean, a few, a few, there's a great line here that I genuinely could probably use in an argument to my mother, who is still a very health forward person, where Amy Poehler says, there is a thing called being too healthy. That's what killed Bruce Lee. <laughs> That line. Also, also, hold on. Calling Jamba Juice corporate juice pimps. Yes. <laughs> also a great little line. Yes. Another line along those lines of things that Amy Poehler gets to say that are so out of pocket but have a little grain of truth to them. Yeah. <laughs> After she sticks the gum under the table mm-hmm. and Tita Faye says, what do you think this is, an Arby's? She says, I wish I was at an Arby's because there's better food and, and cooler, cooler people, people there. <laughs> good it's i mean so good if we're talking somebody who gets the best some of the best jokes i think i have a top three for this film and one's a sneaky one mm-hmm. amy poehler obviously mm-hmm. amy poehler comes in and is like whatever the opposite of the straight man is mm-hmm. and is just like silly and being amy poehler and doing what she does best mm-hmm. second steve martin yeah as he plays tina's phase like rich white old dude boss who's running this health food like grocery store brand and he's just like doing peyote and meditating and like saying weird and crazy shit but also gray ponytail long gray ponytail like he's walking around in slippers all the time yeah or barefoot Mm -hmm. and but he's all about the money deep down yes but he has some incredible lines like a personal favorite here where they're at the opening of the store or they're pitching the store to like Greg Kinnear's neighborhood, mm-hmm. which he calls Weeby Soka, uh, which is another if there's so 2000s joke. I, I like don't I didn't I didn't know what he was saying when I was watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea what Weeby Soka was. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, him saying it and his delivery of it has played in my brain at least once every two weeks for my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Sometimes I just like be sitting around. I'll be sitting around and I'll just be like, we be so cop. <laughs> I'd be like, what is that? <laughs> Don't know. Greg Kinnear sounds great when he says it though. <laughs> but so, two great lines in a row um, when Steve Martin is 
talking to this neighborhood, he says, you know, I was just talking to Jimmy Buffett about trans fats. <laughs> <laughs> and then immediately after that, he's like, I got, I got to go. I got to swing by my son's graduation. Yes. <laughs> that was a line I did not remember as a kid that mm-hmm. it totally hit me on this rewatch that I was like, God, they really snuck that in there. That's so funny. And then my third very bit role, Jason Manzukas. Oh my God. And I'm, I'm just with two fatties. <laughs> because I'm, He's so funny. If there's one takeaway, like if I had to sum up my rewatch of this movie with Mm -hmm. one like idea, Mm -hmm. it's that it has like so many fucking character actors that were just about to make it big in some kind of way, or so many character actors that even if they we don't know them by name. Mm-hmm. We've seen them in every like universal yeah. NBC property for the past 30 years. Yes. Like Brian Stack. You know who I'm talking about? Who is he in the movie? He's also at the support group. And he's the dad that uh, has the, the, Wiccan. the Wiccan surrogate. I yeah. literally have it written down here. He's talking about her being about Wiccans. They have stores, I think. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, was like a Conan writer Mm -hmm. and was like on 30 Rock and like all these people, fucking John Hodgman, like also right before he was going to get famous, uh, Mm -hmm. young Fred Armisen. Yes, Fred Armisen Mm -hmm. surprised me there. And um, uh, Will Forte? Yeah. Yeah, Will Forte. Will Forte. Yep. And you know, he walked in, he came in and he was talking to Tina Fey because he plays Tina Fey's ex- boyfriend who she runs into clubbing (laughs) in quotes clubbing um with amy poehler and Mm -hmm. they're just sort of talking and i'm like man are they really gonna have will forte in here and not give him a funny thing to say Mm -hmm. um but they do yeah he does he does get a little a little joke in there i can't even remember what it was but like at the very end bicycle accident that made his penis larger yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we adopted two Katrina dogs. Mm-hmm. Two Katrina dogs. <laughs> I think both him and Fred Armisen were already on SNL, but it was like either they were, Fred might have still been a featuring maybe. Mm-hmm. It was both early in their tenure there. So like yeah. they're allowed to be in the movie, but they are they have such bit parts. And I mean, then, and that's so wild to me because like Will Forte proved himself to be like the greatest improver that ever improved ever mm. in life mm-hmm. or just like who knows if he's good at improv actually but like he's just so funny he is he's he goes 110 percent such a wonderful character actor yeah um so i was like man you got will forte in here and you're not gonna let him t- say one funny thing but <laughs> he did thank god and then they also have um i should have looked up his name but jeremy jam from parks and rec is the waiter at the yes health food place he is at the vegan place and then um yes fan favorite by fan favorite i mean me mm-hmm. um dennis o'hare plays the doctor who's in the middle yes. and at the end yeah yes i was going to comment he doesn't get that many funny stuff either yeah. though he's very he plays a very straightforward character yeah, and i'm like kind normal. of like I'm, I was, like, waiting, like, in the final scene, his final scene, at least, when he's talking to Tina Fey and telling her that she's actually pregnant. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, but when are you going to do something completely, completely fucking bonkers <laughs> and you just, like, shit in the corner or something? Yeah. Like, I'm just waiting for your, like, doctor to suddenly become very unprofessional and yeah. something terrible you say or something. Yeah. I love him. And mm-hmm. then also, I think the only other person that I was like, hey, 
was um, character actor James Rebhorn, who plays the judge in at the end. Oh, who's that's like, right. Yeah, who's deliberating. For me, he's the guy from that episode of 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he's in My Cousin Vinny and Meet the Parents and Scent of a Woman and Independence Day. He's like in that's a shitload a good of career. movies. Yeah. That's a good career. He's in a shitload of movies. And then he gets to just be the judge for like five minutes in this movie. Yes. They got so many people in here. Well, if I could add on to that list. Uh, PC plays a doctor. PC from the Mac versus PC commercials with Justin Long and the actor who plays... John Hodgman? Is that his name? I think so, yeah. Is that who you were just talking about? Yeah, John Hodgman. Do you know him as PC? His name is PC in my mind. He's, <laughs> he's so much, PC. He's like on the Daily Show. And yeah, things. I know. He has. He's had like a wonderful uh, comedy career. Like he's an like incredible comedian. I'm like, they put him in here because he's PC. Like literally. PC. I remember watching the movie and being like, oh, it's so funny. They have PC playing a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and so like whenever he was cast in something as a kid, I was like, oh, it's funny because he's from the commercials. <laughs> With Justin Long. Oh my god. <laughs> Two things about that. Number one, mm-hmm. he's the dad in Coraline. It's the like, voice? Yeah. Work. Number two, Work. Um, I once saw John Hodgman in Madison, Wisconsin at Monty's Blue Plate Diner. He was there doing, I think it was peak Scott Walker era, and I, he was there on a daily show assignment. No way. Yeah. Did and you say hello? Did you know who he was at that point like i did i recognized him that's around that's eighth grade for us yeah yeah yeah. um i recognized him Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god that's that guy i think i didn't know his name yet but the whole family recognized him and we didn't want to be weird Mm -hmm. um but i think he saw us all staring at him and he just kind of did the nod and smile and wave like yes i am the person i am pc yes i am pc PC. PC. He'll always be PC. Yeah. He will. And like, genuinely, I remember watching this movie with like, he's playing the fertility doctor. He has like the pregnant woman's abdomen as a mug. And I was just, I remember being a kid being like, it's so funny because he's from the commercial. (laughs) And he keeps saying, I don't like your uterus. I don't like your uterus. And like, that's so funny because he's, he plays the computer in the white room. Because he's actually a PC. He's actually personified pc he like wishes he was mac but he's not i would i think i remember being like it's great that like that got him some work (laughs) (laughs) from commercial actor to film actor good for him (laughs) like it's just no no understanding no understanding i love that you had spoken about him used his name and then i was like well we need to mention pc Oh, this guy whose name I know, and I said, "Oh, you brought him up." I was waiting for you to say PC guy. PC, <laughs> that is adorable. All right, so this is the question. Mm-hmm. It is quite the film. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily laugh out loud funny, mm-hmm. but if we give it some space, would it be in your top one hundred? No, no, me neither. <laughs> Not much, much love, much not love to this much film. Much love to this film, much much love, but no, absolutely not. It, it's not in there. It's not really close. It would maybe crack my like two fifty. It would maybe crack my three hundred. Yeah, I've seen a lot of movies. Right, 
I've seen a lot of movies. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like... I think if you if you asked me this question when I was maybe in high school, mm-hmm. even that late, I would probably still say, yeah, it's like, you know, 93. If you narrowed it down, if you narrowed it down and was like, what, you know, best blockbuster comedies from 2005 to 2010, then probably it might be in my top five or ten. Yeah. But that it would have to be that very specific... Yeah sort of thing which would be in my top five you want you want to hear something yes. problematic yes train wreck <laughs> i'm I la- I thought, i'm okay with that i remember seeing it in theater and laughing theaters and laughing like uproariously i thought it was so funny so the biggest thing for me with a lot of these movies mm-hmm. these are sister movies i watched baby mama with olivia my mm-hmm. older sister all like every time it was on we were probably watching it together Mm-hmm. We went to see Trainwreck in theaters, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. We went to see Sisters in theaters, just the two of us, which is the other pairing of Amy and Tina. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these like female-led comedies that maybe we didn't necessarily want to see with our parents because there were like sex scenes in it or something. Mm-hmm. If we were in high school or even like college and we were home for the summer, that was like let's go see it together as as sisters. Right. That's how I felt about Trainwreck. So. You would watch it, you watch it with your sister. Mm -hmm. And so obviously Olivia enjoyed this film. Yeah. What about your parents? Did they ever join? I think they were probably in and out of the room for Baby Mama. I'm guessing they saw it in theaters because Mm -hmm. they would always go see whatever comedy was out, especially if it had Tina Fey in it or like Mm -hmm. any SNL people. I don't remember them particularly liking this movie. Mm -hmm. I think they thought it was like a fine comedy. And that's because they were adults and, and conscious during this time. Yes. And so, yeah. Yeah. They had taste. There's also a lot of stuff in here too that like, not only is it childish humor, but it Mm -hmm. relates to my, because Amy's character is so childish, like the whole karaoke revolution thing, they play it throughout the movie. Like Olivia and I had that game and played it. That exact one? Yes. So when Tina Fey is like, my avatar is dressed like a whore. Yeah. That you're like, yeah. Yeah, I did that. I com- I made avatars and I Those had them Tomb have Raider huge titties. tits. <laughs> Those huge Tomb tits. Raider titties. The smallest stomach you've ever seen. Yeah. She was... Push-up bra in a white tank. <laughs> My avatars were all... Had Dita Von Teese's body. <laughs> and the weirdest, like, you know, bell bottoms and a tube top or whatever the fuck and a cowboy hat. I mean, so let's talk about the technology in this film because i remember as a kid this is so funny um (laughs) so i remember as a kid watching in the opening montage where she's trying to you know she's trying she's getting a sperm donor Mm. and it's the there's like um pc is flipping through the screen and she's he's showing her like all the different men she could have a baby with and their their pictures come together in this program yep and, like, then a baby is formed. And mm-hmm. at first she's like, oh, not this guy. This baby's ugly. And mm-hmm. then, like, the one she picks, like, they get literally the Gerber baby. Yes. That's a moment of tech in this movie that I then later, I believe, I watched Gattaca in school. <laughs> and I was like, I think Baby Mama touched on this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I think Baby Mama did this first. I think Baby Mama... Had potentially had a great movie in that one moment and they did not follow through because <laughs> i remember watching gattaca and being like baby mama kind of hit on this a little bit <laughs> baby mama was cooking <laughs> baby mama was cooking um 
so that was that was just something that I remembered when mm, I was watching the flip it. But phones also, too. yes, the phones in this film, mm. the the dance dance, the singing. What's it called? Karaoke revolution. Karaoke revolution. Yeah. Not even dancing. Yeah. Um, that was incredible. But if we are going to talk tech of the time, I think it's worth talking about the fashion of the time. Oh. And I would like to introduce segment that I a segment that I'm stealing from another podcast. Yeah. I love um, also introducing segments at the season finale. Season finale. <laughs> I would like to introduce a few segments. Um, and this this is from uh, the podcast Gilmore Guys, in which two guys watch mm, Gilmore Girls, yep. and they have they have a segment called Fashion, <laughs> where they go through the outfits of each episode. And so we are going to do Fashion for Ms. Amy Poehler and Ms. Tina Fey because the fashion in this movie is so dated; it's incredible. Yeah, I mean the movie is run by high heels with the little cutout. For the toes. Yeah. An open-toed high heel sandal. With open-toed, a sling back. Sling back. Mm-hmm. Um, with jeans, or mm. if you're Tina Fey, a tulip skirt that is a oh, gray-brown. Christ. That is a gray-brown color yeah. and like a tight cardigan that stops at your rib cage. Yeah. Like just very interesting choices. Peasant tops. And while this is the thing... Amy Poehler's character's fashion is very sort of rockabilly. Afford- her character is interested in fashion, mm-hmm. and her entire movie, she's wearing a t-shirt with a vest over it. Oh, and that's which can like, I say, I still I love, love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, before watching it, I was like, man, I remember. Like that was a thing that I remember about her, like t-shirt vest invention. And like Tina Fey being like, "You're good at this," and me literally in my head being like, "She is." That you know that she is, is what fashion is. That is what fashion is. Like Tina Fey supporting her, and I'm being like, "Yeah, it's cute." Yeah, she's good at it. Um, and I don't mind them. Yeah, I was really expecting to go into it and be like, "Ooh," which I was because mm-hmm. it was 2008. Yeah, she's wearing this like t-shirt and vest, and then jeans and red heels yeah with a little toe cut out and they're glossy and mm-hmm. they got the sling back oh but i don't know it's also just like she doesn't look bad in it though yeah she pulls it off she I pulls also it think off we're uh we're products of the era that we came of age in yes and when you're 10 and people like honestly fashionable people in movies or in tv shows were wearing fucking vests all the time in the 2000s and so that's the truth even though it very quickly faded out of fashion like there is a little part of my brain that's like that looks so fucking cool yes i mean well for me like amy poehler had like at least something interesting going on Mm -hmm. tina fey's wardrobe like just grays and blacks and like brownish grays yeah but they were just like as long as the legs are there and they are in high heels, <laughs> those calf muscles are flexing and Tina Fey is like, I am Tina Fey. Yeah. She is in her most Tina Fey this, uh, state. Un- under my notes, I wrote, during this era of Tina Fey, I feel like they tried to pretend that she didn't have like a smoking hot body. Yeah. And she fucking does. It's the same way in early 30 Rock. They yeah. like throw her in a gown or throw her in something tight fitting. And it's like, you got a body. Well, to me, that was her whole like shtick almost Mm. where she was like obviously beautiful Mm -hmm. but she had just 
such a like type a yeah. sort of businessy bossy where mm-hmm. they use in this movie personality and she doesn't like she's such a career woman she doesn't dress herself like yeah. in any sort of like flattering way because she doesn't have time for that yeah um and so like and that was very much like her whole 30 rock yeah. was that she's that and this she mean girls you could even argue that mm-hmm. she just like doesn't give a fuck about how she looks she's a teacher that's doing her job mm-hmm. um and so that's that's tina yeah but yes the fashion of this film i mean when they're walking through the park and Amy has that fucking, like, conductor's cap that people oh used to wear all the God. goddamn time in the early 2000s. Just with, like, new, it was, like, newspaper print. Yeah. It was, it's so <laughs> atrocious. I gotta say, though, there was one outfit in this movie where I was like, I want to wear that outfit. Yeah. And that is when she goes to see Dax Shepard. Also, um... You know, well done, Dak Shepard. Dak oh, Shepard, yeah. this was, like, I remember watching Employee of the Month a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> I don't want to. Is that a Dane Cook? Yes. Ooh. Dane Cook, Dak Shepard, and Jessica Simpson. Oh, the trifecta. The trifecta. Um, they're so funny. They're just, what a trio. Um, <laughs> Dak Shepard was just, like, playing assholes and doing it well. Yeah. And so, Idiocracy, like, too. Idiocracy, yes. And, um, yeah, just... Props to Dax. Thanks for doing your job, Dax. Yeah. He did a good job. Yeah. Um, but she goes to meet him in this bar, and she's wearing, like, her hair is kind of, like, up in a ponytail, and it's got, like, a big poof, and she has, like, this green plaid shirt that's, like, tied around the neck and kind of open on the tummy and, like, high-waisted bell-bottom jeans and, like, yeah. her heels. And I was like, this is a look. Like, yeah. you look really good. Yeah. That was an outfit where I was like, because for me, entering into this movie fashion-wise, I was like, can I, like, be okay with it? Mm-hmm. I didn't expect to like any outfits, mm-hmm. to be moved by any outfits yeah. in a positive way, necessarily. I was just like, best thing, I'm going to feel neutral about mm-hmm. them. It is so real because, I mean, I think 20 years feels like the mark when things start to become cyclical and trends start to come back. And so we're coming up on 20 years of Baby Mama and, like, Y2K fashion is back. So I think Honestly, if I had watched this movie you know, again, you know, five years ago, I would have been like, ugh, this is so gross, but it's it's coming back. She looks pretty good. She looks really good. Mm-hmm. All right, well, if we're talking performances, if we're talking moments in the movie, I mean, you have this list of questions where it's favorite part, least favorite part, mm-hmm. favorite performance, least favorite performance. And I answered these before I rewatched it, mm-hmm. just going off of my memory. Mm-hmm. And then I answered... Um, after I watched it. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that interesting of responses, but I'm interested to hear what your favorite parts are, your least favorite performance, your favorite performance. My favorite performance is such a boring answer, but Amy. Yes, same. Yeah, it's, she really just drives the movie and gets mm-hmm. to be so silly and gets to do her like kind of trashy philly accent which she's from like massachusetts i believe Mm -hmm. and tina's the one who's from philly but amy does a really good job of putting on that like very specific south philly accent yeah (laughs) the first like i kind of tried doing it when i quoted her where she was like um in the in her opening scene she Mm -hmm. comes out of the car and she's like when you're being an idiot, you know, you told me to, like, tell you when you were being an idiot, and you're being an idiot. Mm-hmm. She says it in that sort of dialect. Yeah. Which is what makes it funny. Me saying it just now, that's not a funny line. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, again, it's her delivery, mm-hmm. her zhuzh, yeah. that, that gives it the comedy. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think maybe a, a secondary favorite performance that I think it's a performance that I'm like, I wish I had more of this mm-hmm. is um, Sigourney Weaver. Interesting. Like she, she never gets to do comedy. Interesting. And yeah. she can. Like, she's yeah. great in holes, too. I mean, she's oh, yeah. like, but that's not, not necessarily comedic. Like, you kind of, it's, it's a little light. funny. Yeah. It's, it's, she's like an evil character, but it's a overall light film. Yes. Kind of. But I like seeing this movie, I'm like, I want her to be in more comedies. Like, she's yeah. got the timing down. Yeah. I don't know why she, I was like, I want more Sigourney. Her hair in this movie. Oh, it's so good. It's I so mean, bouncy. There's a lot of hair. When I saw um, Holland Taylor, mm. um, she had that Alice Cullen hair. <laughs> and I was like, and then she made the first joke of the movie. Uh-huh. And I was like, work. Yeah. Great addition. Oh, great addition. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. But Sigourney Weaver, she like closes the opens the doors or closes some double doors and her hair like oh, with the yeah. wind and she like totally plays when into it. When you first it. see her. Yeah, when you first see her. Mm-hmm. Also a great line in here where I believe Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are like meeting with Sigourney Weaver for the first time with all three of them. Mm-hmm. And Sigourney we- Weaver says that she's expecting and one of them says expecting what? A social security check? <laughs> That got me too. Oh, that was so good. Oh, man. Sigourney Weaver, I felt very neutral on her when Mm -hmm. I first saw the movie when I was younger, and I still kind of feel the same way. Mm. Um, I'm also kind of neutral on the uh, Wesbian Wava's character. Siobhan? Siobhan Fallon Hogan? Okay, she's great, and I do love the line where she's like, let me see if I wrote it down. She says, Wesbian Wava's the marathon of (laughs) Weber. Marathon of Weber. I like that. Marathon of Weber. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Also, I have a quote written down here that's just above where I wrote this, which I'm going to tangent a little bit. But mm-hmm. Tina Fey says to Amy Poehler at one point, I have it written down, children in Japan can understand that. And I don't know what she's talking about. I know. What is it? Um, it's not the child It's like locks, the first it? funny line she gets, in my opinion, in the movie. Is it the child locks? Yes. No. Is it? I don't think so. It's got to be something that's like in English. No, or you don't pee in the sink. Oh no, that's not it either. I don't either. remember, but I I also remember that line hitting me weird, where I was like, because I I I do think the joke is not mm-hmm. <laughs> Japanese children are stupid. Yeah, it's that Amy Poehler doesn't stupid. even uh, speak English. Uh, yeah, a child who doesn't even know English would understand, understand. this. So, yes. I, yeah, I really don't remember what it's referring to, but it also hit my ear. I was like, that's not that funny. <laughs> yeah. I also... Um, First thought. Speaking of um, lines that have the word kid in it, mm-hmm. I'm just looking through my uh, thing here. There's um, at the end of the movie when they're in court. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, I know what you're going to say. What? Kid when kid was shit! shit. <laughs> Which in the Comedy Central cut, kid wouldn't get away with spit. No. They're so, yeah. They, they weren't allowed to say shit. It was always spit. She goes, I feel like I'm spitting a knife at the end. And then also, too, in the scene where Greg Kinnear and <laughs> Tina Fey have their date, and he mm-hmm. says, like, so they just call you a dick. Yeah. I think they say dits or something. Like, they're not allowed to say dick in that era and of dits Comedy Central. And dits is absolutely, like, it a very female-coded exactly. term. It, so then it completely reverses, like, yeah. completely doesn't make any sense yeah. in what they were talking about. Yeah, totally. So it was... It was fun to watch it with the original language because the majority of times I've seen it, it is, kid wouldn't get away with spit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kid 
kid wouldn't get well that's so interesting because i watched it with i rented it from blockbuster right. yeah i would go with my daddy uncut uncut i would go with my daddy to the library or blockbuster mm-hmm. and say i want baby mama again please thank <laughs> you um okay so favorite performance i have to agree amy poehler takes the cake i wrote that you know, before I rewatched the film and after, it mm-hmm. was like Amy Poehler absolutely. She gets to do everything. Mm-hmm. She gets to she gets all the funny lines. She gets to she gets to play like the fast and loose, like over the top character. Mm-hmm. Overacting done well. Yeah, you know she gets to be emotional too when mm-hmm. you're the end. Hit me with the least favorite performance. This one's a tough one because there's no performances that I'm like, this is miscast or yeah, this sucks. I agree. I feel like for me, the only one that feels out of place upon current rewatch is the Romani Malco, the doorman yes. character, which uh, is Tina what the whole- Fey has Tina Fey's racial humor. Um, she, Tina, Tina, Tina. Tina, honey. Um, I mean, it's, I feel like I didn't really think, I. I never think about the fact that the whole fucking title is derived from a racial joke where mm-hmm. he's like, that's your baby mama. Like he's a black man. Yes. That's like, yeah, I have baby mamas. She's your baby mama. Wow. That I, I didn't think of like the whole, I didn't think of that. Wow. I know. Yeah, you did. Which, you know, it's not, it's, it's not the worst of jokes and they have a black character saying it, but knowing that there were, you know, I've, I am sure there were not black writers on this movie. No, and it's very... It's, um, again, something that we don't do anymore. Yes, yes. And, yeah, it's very sort of stereotypical black character written by a white person where it's very much, like, black humor, in quotes, and, like, but just no actual (laughs) immersion in that humor whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and he has a couple moments, too, where I'm like, this... You know, he's doing his best. And so I don't want to fault him or say that it's a bad performance. I think it's the, the, a poorly written role yeah. that he doesn't get to do no. a lot with. I agree with that. I also wrote down Doorman, but not because of his performance, because he did his performance mm-hmm. very well. And I'm sure exactly how they wanted him to. Yeah. There's a one point where he, Dak Shepard, like busts in on the baby shower and um he's just like he's just like where'd you come from man <laughs> where'd you escape from? where'd you escape from it's man? because he says like oh it's when everything's being revealed that amy's pregnant with not tina's baby mm-hmm. and then dax says wait so you're not even pregnant and that's when romani says hey where'd you escape yeah. from <laughs> Where'd you escape from? He that? also... And That's it, a great line. Yeah. This is also why I won't... I'm pinning all of this on the writing and not the performance. Is mm-hmm. that he gets to be pals with Amy and gets to be in on the secret. Yeah. And then when Tina explodes and says, she's just some white trash girl I paid to carry my kid. He gets kid, a close up. He gets a close up because Amy says... Serious I, acting. Yes. Amy says, I deserve that. And Romani says, no, no you, you don't. don't. Close up. <laughs> Serious. And I bought it. Yeah. I bought. I bought all. I bought it. One yeah. second of that line. Yeah, that little quick, little quick close up, mm-hmm. close up from Oscar. <laughs> um, fully agree. Fully agree. I. I also the least favorite performance I answered before I watched it, and after I rewatched it was Tina Fey's character. Mm. I don't think. I think I remember like not really liking her character. I loved it when she was with Greg Kinnear and all her scenes with Greg Kinnear. But I remember just like not really giving a shit much about her. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was kind of the same way watching this 
back where I was just kind of like, this is literally about a woman who's extremely wealthy learning how to care about the poor person she's employing Mm -hmm. because she currently gives more of a shit about the fetus than she does the actual woman. Yeah. This movie could either be interpreted as pro-choice or pro-life. Like, (laughs) it's very... Because, like, it could very... Pro-lifers could easily be like, this movie is wonderful. Or, like, if someone was pro-choice, be like, there's actually, like, a kind of deep narrative here about how she doesn't care about the woman Mm -hmm. who is, like, under this physical, like, demand. Mm -hmm. And she cares more about the fetus that isn't even right there in front of her. Mm -hmm. So... Times have changed. Times have changed. I feel like, really, um, not to keep comparing this to 30 Rock, but there are so you, many similarities. She's playing Liz Lemon. She is. And she's playing she's Liz playing Lemon. She's playing watered with, down Without Liz the Lemon. charm of Liz Lemon. Because we get to None laugh. None of the jokes. Yes, no. we get to laugh at Liz Lemon. Because A, Liz Lemon's funny. And B, Liz Lemon is constantly fucking up. She's the well-meaning yeah. liberal. She's like mm-hmm. Maud Findlay from fucking mod she mm-hmm. she's always trying to, she's always saying the wrong thing and we get to laugh at her we never laugh at kate mm-hmm. we are always kate is always doing like the right thing to some degree or mm-hmm. the sound logical thing yes and i'd say the only time we get that little taste of liz lemon charm of like oh that's so cute yeah it's when they're at the club and she tries to play lady in red yes that is such a charming moment yes. for kate that's where yeah. i'm like oh she's, she's so cute she's trying she's trying She's trying so hard and she thought this would be a serve and it's not. And it's just adorable to see her flounder. Yes. And I was like, I want, and I get it. I'm sure in the writing of this movie, they were like, we can't make it too much Liz Lemon. It can't be too much Liz Lemon. So I get it, but. Well, this is a thing. I think, again, it's, it's, um, it's Tina Fey doing her shtick where Mm -hmm. it's just kind of this like generalized sort of character that's, you know, very neat, very orderly, very successful. Mm -hmm. But then veils in romantic life and social life yeah um and like that's all well and good but fuck kate is annoying yeah i kind of i kind of hate kate yeah and so because also too in comparing her to liz lemon yeah her job is especially now mm-hmm. we see it as like a gross gentrification even then they were kind of hinting at that but i feel like we weren't all on board with that yet mm-hmm. of like god she's such corporate scum or whatever and now when you watch it you're like Ugh, i really her being good at her job isn't even a plus whereas liz yeah. lemon being good at being a comedy writer is charming yes yes yeah. i agree i completely agree yeah none of it is very charming especially from this perspective of like where we are more critical of neoliberalism mm. mm-hmm. and rich white women living in new york city yes <laughs> like li- like kate is not a good person yes that's the thing and like the movie is kind of about her like i do think like it is central, like, her character does not value Amy Poehler mm-hmm. and values the fetus more than Amy Poehler. And, like, it's about her changing her mind on that. Yeah. Which is actually, like, pretty bare bones saying that sentence out loud is, like, very, like, progressive. Yeah, a good character arc. Good character arc. But it's so barely there, mm-hmm. actually, in the movie <laughs> that I was just like, oh, this, n- I never picked up on this when I was watching it as a kid, yeah. you know? And this is something that I picked up on because I was like, I'm gonna talk about this on a podcast, so I should really think about this movie. <laughs> and so, like, it's, it is a barely there character arc. 
by the way, I also, something else that, I mean, you're kind of talking about, Tina starts out this movie as like pretty unethical or just not really thinking about the ethics of what she's doing and everything. And then she learns mm-hmm. to respect the person that she's paying to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, another line that I did not catch until this watch that I was like, God, that's good. Yeah. Is when she's asking Sigourney about the ins and outs of this. She was like, so is this some woman from a third world country that you're outsourcing this? So you're putting this burden on some poor woman from a third world country. And Sigourney goes, no, that's not what we do. And then she stops, turns to her notepad and writes a note. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I did not. I did not remember that at all. And I was like, oh, that's fucking hilarious because that is like at least making a commentary on to some degree i think jury's still out on whether or not surrogacy is 100 ethical 100 non-ethical is it somewhere in the middle so together 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 perhaps the superior movie about superior comedy about surrogacy yeah starring comedy actors patty harrison hey Patty, Patty, Patty. Yeah. So going from Sigourney back to um, the other redheaded supporting character. Siobhan. Is it Siobhan? Is that her name? I don't know. Siobhan Fallon Hogan. I mean, I've seen her in so many things. She's she's had a good career. She's also in Holes. Who is she in Holes? Oh, she's the mom. Oh, she's so good. Henry Winkler's wife. Mm -hmm. Henry Winkler's wife. His wife. His wife. So this is the thing. She does, there's a point where she's talking about the olive oil or whatever. Massage. The massage. And um, that's and the like line. Amy, what you're he, about to say is the line of the movie. What is the line I'm about to say? Say it. Is it okay if I just spray a little Pam down there before the delivery? <laughs> that is like, was always that is in the, the line of the movie. Prominently in the trailer. Well, for me, it's Weeby Soka. <laughs> <laughs> just like. That's because you're a true fan. That is a true fact. It's, I didn't know what it mean. I didn't know what he was saying. Yeah. I knew it was like some sort of mantra or something, but yeah. I was just like, I like how I said it. Weeby Soka. Weeby Soka. <laughs> um, yes. Can I spray a little Pam down there? But um, there was uh, Amy Poehler asks Tina Fey. She's like, what is she asking us to do? And Tina Fey says, I think she wants me to rub cooking oil on your taint. And I was like, I don't think women have taints. Yes, they do. Do we? Yeah. The holes are too close together. There isn't that much room. That's the taint. Right between. Because, so technically, listeners, she says rub E-V-O-O on the perineum. So she's saying extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> massage that into the perineum, which is the medical term for taint. Perineum. Wow. Yes. Because that is the number one thing that happens when you do natural childbirth is the perineum, the wall between, mm-hmm. tears. You're absolutely right. Yeah. We do have a taint. I'm so glad that this is where you had the realization that you do indeed have a taint. I do indeed have a taint. Have you never seen Kristen Schaal's stand-up where she talks about taint? No, I should really see Kristen Schaal's stand-up. I think this is going to be good for you. I want her to be my mom. Oh, yeah. We've gone through favorite performance, least favorite performance, where I think we can both agree... There is no problem with the performances, mm-hmm. more so about the complexity and writing of characters. Yeah. Favorite part? I'm assuming it's going to be a montage. It's not. Oh! My favorite part is the clubbing scene. Is that your favorite part? So pre-rewatch, mm-hmm. I said opening montage, mm. where she's trying to have the baby. After the rewatch, 
clubbing scene. Yeah. I remember there's a clip of Tina Fey initially starts sort of framing her face, voguing yes. away. And Amy Poehler's like, don't do that. And then the next time they're dancing, they're both a little looser. And Tina Fey is kind of doing like a side to side like thing. And she looks really silly. And like Amy Poehler is just like throwing ass with her fake baby bump. Mm-hmm. And I like laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. It was one of the few times I actually laughed out loud while yeah. watching the movie. And I was like, this scene. And like then with Will Ferrell being added in there, the outfits, everything about Forte. it. Forte. Oh, Will Forte. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yes. Will Forte being added in there, the outfits. The way the it's clubbing a good... scene ends, which is they see his car, and, and she says, you know what we should do? And then Amy <laughs> throws a trash can on it. And Tina Fey says, I was going to say to leave a funny note. <laughs> I hate Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that the reason why that's my favorite scene, and both of our favorite scenes, I think that might be everybody who is an adult mm-hmm. who is aware of like comedy and structure. That's their favorite scene because it hits on what is the groove of the movie, mm-hmm. which is we enjoy seeing them be friends. Yeah. And we enjoy, we don't really like, see, I mean, even though their fights are kind of funny, mm. it's much more funny to see them together and see Amy making bad choices or see her egging on Kate and being like, live a little, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's what it's like the promise of the premise type thing. It's like we're promised that we get to see our favorite duo of ladies. Yeah. We get to see them hang out and have fun together. Yes. I think we get to see more of that in Sisters a little bit, even though that was also kind of the same tomato meter. It was kind of panned. Yeah. Um, but that's really what we as an audience want, I feel like. I think to an extent, I think for me, while watching this film, while that is nice and I did enjoy the clubbing scene... For me, what I was finding when I was watching this movie is I kept wanting it to be not necessarily like this blockbuster comedy where it's sort of towing the line of like sweet and funny. I wanted like the jokes to continue on. Mm. Like Amy Poehler would get like a funny line and then Tina Fey was the straight man and had like just a real life response, like Mm -hmm. real world like response, like asking an actual question or something. She didn't get a joke at all. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's kind of, like, the pacing of the jokes. They didn't, like, grab, like, Tina Fey didn't grab the joke and ran run with it or anything. Mm-hmm. So I was watching this. I was like, I think I want this to be more they came together. Or mm. I want it to be more down with love. Yeah. Where everything's kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to that sort of, like, sisters and this clubbing scene where it's, like, more the soft stuff and like the connection stuff i am just so aggressively uninterested in that really for me like i'm like you're tina fey and amy poehler you're a comedy duo Mm -hmm. you bounce off of each other with jokes and like from what i could tell this movie like tina fey just was not allowed to bounce off of amy poehler at all yeah she had to she had to like she had to shut down she had to shut things down Mm -hmm. which is i don't know if i'm right here but i believe in improv, you're supposed to say yes and, <laughs> and not no Amy. That <laughs> you know, I'll have to pull out my UCB manual yeah. that I do have a physical copy of yes. back in LA, and I'll have to see if that's a chapter. I mean, Amy Poehler fucking wrote it. I mean, <laughs> I mean. But that's that was the clubbing scene I did enjoy, though, for the comedy. Yeah. I do think an honorable mention, we touched on it a little bit, 
and one of the few times I actually laughed out loud at this at this movie on the rewatch mm-hmm. is the prenatal vitamin. Yeah, I can cont- like this movie taught me what a prenatal vitamin is, mm-hmm. what and the fact that it's enormous. And literally, like, the other night before I even watched this movie, my dad was, like, I was looking at my dad's pills. He was going to, like, take some pills after dinner, some vitamins or whatever. And, like, I use the term, like, prenatal often when referring to big pills. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that thing is prenatal. (laughs) And, like, this movie taught me that. The whole reason I've developed that little joke or whatever Uh in my life is because of this scene in this movie where Tina Fey is trying to get Amy Poehler to swallow the prenatal vitamin and she just cannot. The physical comedy of there's at least three times in there of when it's like, oh, she did it, she did it, and then she pops it back in between her teeth. Yes, and the sound of it. Yes. Good sound design. Oh, yeah. We're going to do the Foley art for this. Yeah. (laughs) Great job. (laughs) Well, the part there that I actually laughed out loud at was when Tina Fey puts the pill in, like, some bread, and Amy Poehler bites into it, immediately spits it out, and says, it's in there. (laughs) She goes, what? It's in there. No, it's and in there. And Tina goes, cats can do this. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it is enormous. That and when she's like, no, I'm not putting it up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> and that whole that whole little sequence, I'm just like, so they just like gave Amy Poehler and Tina Fey a prop. Mm-hmm. And she, this is the goal. Yes. And they just got to like improvise a little bit. You can yes. tell. You can tell when the script is happening and when, you can tell when improvisation is happening. Yes. Another thing, like favorite component of this movie that I kind of forgot about. And I wish it was a little introduced maybe a little bit more. I don't know how they would do it artfully. I love the Tom and Jerry joke. And I love that it comes back at the end. I don't give a fuck about the Tom and Jerry joke. <laughs> I think it's funny. Oh, no. I do, because that's the children in Japan where I understand this. Oh, it is. Oh, we figured it out. We, we figured, figured it out. out. Wow. Because she says wow. Tom and Jerry are best friends, and Kate says they're not. They hate each other. Even children in Japan understand this. <laughs> Which, of course, they would. They are nonverbal cartoons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all children understand it. Um, but I, I do think I remember a, that being in the trailer and that being like a big joke of the movie is like, what Tom and Jerry love each other. And then it coming back at the end of it's on the screen during the final montage that it's like them and Tom and Jerry. Yes. I think that's cute. And I almost wish they'd introduced it sooner because I feel like they bring it in maybe at the halfway mark. 35 minute mark, probably. Mm, Okay. So... Let's see, 31, 35, yeah, around 35 minutes. Okay. So, pretty early, you're wrong. Um, (laughs) The one thing that I do need to also mention Mm -hmm. is, like, things that really stuck in my brain Mm -hmm. is when they're on their first date, Tina Fey and Greg Kinnear, and they get the yeast ball. I remember, like, Tina Fey, like, pulling the dough and, like, wrapping it and, like, eating it and being like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. And I remember being a kid being like, that looks delicious. It's- That's just a bunch of, it's a bread dough. You get to eat bread dough? They it's did delicious. make it look too good because, if I recall correctly, too, it it appears that their fingers are, like, greasy from it. Yeah. So, in my mind, in my it's children's mind, yeah, it's, like, buttery or yeah. delicious or something, which, you know, or, like, flavorful. Yeah. But- yeah. Well, for me, when I was a kid, I liked bread because I liked the yeastiness of it. Like, 
it's a yeast ball i'm just like well that's just dense bread which is better bread Mm -hmm. so for me that moment when i was a kid this is again because i was so into 30 rock Mm -hmm. and into being a real woman and not like other girls to some degree I used to love when they both copped the fact that, like, no, I eat meat. And she says, I eat meat like, like it's nobody's business. Yes. And then they go they get go a They go get the cheesesteak, cheese and it looks so good. It does. There's something about that that was so satisfying yes. to me. And, like... That was a huge... Yes. Yeah. Yes. As a young girl, being mm-hmm. like, oh, she's real. <laughs> well, for me, it was just like, this is a foodie movie. Yeah. I was like, fuck off, John Favreau. <laughs> Chef is shit. Julie and Julia? More like <laughs> shit and poopy. <laughs> shit and shitty. I was just like, this is a foodie movie. Mm-hmm. Delicious shots of food. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I had I had to throw the yeast ball in there. Oh, yeah. So if we're talking favorite part being clubbing, mm-hmm. let's talk least favorite. You know, upon rewatch, mm-hmm. I really am going to say there's a couple scenes like this where the joke seems to be on new age parenting things and how silly they are. Mm. I think that doesn't, that's not a thing anymore that people give a shit about or think is like strange. Mm-hmm. The big one is Wesby and Wovers. I, yeah. used to, I used to love, and I still do love Siobhan Fallon Hogan. She's doing yeah. her job. And there, it does, it, it gives me pure nostalgia to see that scene. Yeah. But upon rewatch, I was like, this is not funny like at all it's not funny she's saying it in a funny way yeah and she's also getting it wrong yes and like amy poehler immediately is like no and like looking around (laughs) after she says and wesbian lovers and like amy poehler's like no (laughs) and amy gets a couple lines and that's in those scenes where Mm -hmm. They're saying, who's going to have natural childbirth and who's going to dwug your baby? And she goes, (laughs) I do love that. I love that. And of course, the Pam line is in there, too. I love the interjections that she gets to have. But Mm -hmm. that scene on the whole and also the the Fred Armisen stroller scene of like this stroller has airbags. I was like, this is such a weird, outdated, unfunny joke of like parents these days are so helicopter and crazy well for me that's actually funny that you bring that up because for me that joke because then at the end of that scene that quick quick little bit you see like amy poehler like roll her eyes and Mm -hmm. so for me that was more of a thing about kate that was about like monarch like kate is rich and she wants the best thing and so Mm. she's getting the stroller with airbags Mm. and amy poehler's like jesus yeah so for me it was more a commentary on like kate and her wealth and her like like just like helicopter parenting that kid her like that kid has has health issues like not health issues but like body image issues body image issues helicopter allergies yeah ton (laughs) of allergies just like kate is not it would not make a good parent yeah um which i think is so funny and Mm -hmm. just incredibly ironic and also just something that like obviously they just didn't think about because it's a comedy Mm -hmm. i think all, all that to say any of my least favorite parts of this movie are not because i dislike them it's just that it felt like a lag or it felt like not mm-hmm. as funny as the rest of the movie. And that's how yeah. I felt about those scenes. Yeah. I I agree with that. For me, before watch, re-watching the movie, I had to go based on like my childhood least favorite scene. And that was when um, it's like the morning after and like Tina Fey is having breakfast with Greg Kinnear and he reveals like he thinks surrogacy is crazy or whatever. Yeah. And like as a kid, I hated that scene because it was like it hurt my heart. Because it hurts Tina Fey's heart because I, like, buy their romance and everything. Yeah. So, um, 
But then my like least favorite part for me was like really anything with Tina Fey's character that wasn't the romance and wasn't with Amy Poehler. I think her scenes with Steve Martin are okay, but really anything that's just like really focused on her character and her character only, I was just like, oh, I want to snooze. Yeah. I was just like any scene alone with her and like Sigourney Weaver, it's just mm-hmm. like she still didn't, it didn't feel like she got a ton of jokes even with that. Mm-hmm. Or they certainly just weren't the best written ones. And I just like, I hated Kate. I just can't stand Kate. Yeah. Yeah. So that would that would have to be my least favorite. The yeah. morning after scene didn't feel so bad. Yeah. No. I, I actually have the same memory of yeah. being young and being like, if I had to pick a least favorite scene, being young, it was that. Because I'm like, <laughs> mommy and daddy are fighting. Fighting, yes. <laughs> mommy and daddy. And the thing is, is like, that relationship isn't like the primary relationship in the movie. It's Which, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Also, by the way. Yeah. They we get our like love montage. It's after Amy has figured out that she's actually pregnant with her own baby, and so mm. she's starting to like take care of her body and yeah. study up on babies. At the same time, Tina and Greg are going out on a million dates. Yes. In that montage, they stop in front of a fountain. He pretends to propose, yes. and then she laughs. After the montage, she was like, "We've been seeing each other for a month now." I was like, "A month?" month? And he's pretending to propose. You've seen each other a grand total of four times because I've seen your work life, Mama. <laughs> You're seeing I've him seen your once a week. At You're best. seeing him once a week. That is four <laughs> dates. <laughs> and he pretended to propose, and you genuinely thought he was going to for yeah. a second. Rut row. Rut row. <laughs> Also, let's talk about Greg Greg Kinnear's attire. He said jeans and chunky Asics. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Is you know, arch support. I really came around on Greg Kinnear because I think you had to come around. I didn't really know who he was when I first saw this movie. Like Same. I, this was maybe the first movie I saw him in. Mm-hmm. Then the only other prominent Greg Kinnear for me was Little Miss Sunshine, where he is oh. the meanest fucking person on earth, yeah. and he does a great job. Yeah. Um, like he's perfect in it. Um, and so coming back to rewatch this, I was like, mean dad. Mm-hmm. But then weirdly too, I also saw As Good As It Gets. Yes. And even though I hate, hate that, that movie, movie, I like him in that movie. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Dude, Fuck as that good, movie. if we're talking characters that haven't aged well, I mean, was he even a, did they even like, I got to read like the Roger Ebert review of like when this came out. And if everybody was like, what the fuck? Everybody loved it. Well, this is crazy. I knew Greg Kinnear from as good as it gets before Mm -hmm. I saw this movie. Although as a kid, like I didn't know his name and I hadn't seen all of as good as it gets. I just Mm -hmm. knew he was the guy in the wheelchair who was beat up. Yeah. As good as it gets. Um, so I was just like, he's handsome and I'm buying the chemistry and I bought the chemistry again. Yeah. You know, like it is quite like, both of them are such charming people. Yeah. Like Tina Fey could have chemistry with a log and mm-hmm. Greg Kinnear could have chemistry with a frog. Like it's all. <laughs> and Amy could have chemistry with a dog. <laughs> and then they'd all live happily ever after in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> in a bog. In a bog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just really need to impress how much I hate As Good As It Gets. And yep. listeners, if you have seen As Good As It Gets and you like really genuinely loved it, if you could please please make an comment argument. or something or like let me let us know like what we're missing. What we're missing. Because yeah. for me, that scene that's supposed to be like the climactic, most romantic scene where he says to Helen Hunt, you make me want to be a better man. I audibly, when I was listening, I was watching it by myself in my apartment. Uh. I audibly said, 
you should kill yourself. <laughs> you should kill yourself. <laughs> Look, never say that to anybody, okay? That is so fucked up to say mm. to people. But in that moment, I was like, kill yourself. <laughs> if a man said that to me, I would buy him a gun and say, you know what to do, sunny boy. Take yourself out. <laughs> I've already written the note for you. Can you just sign here? Here? Like you've tabbed? <laughs> That's how I fucking felt. Again, not to reference 30 Rock. Well, the, but, the thing, he says, you make me want to be a better man or whatever. And then proceeds to not really become a better man. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's... He's also just so old and terrible. Oh, totally. There's a scene in 30 Rock. I think it's maybe the Valentine's Day episode. But we get a cutaway joke where James Marsden is playing the guitar for Liz Lemon mm-hmm. and singing an original song that he wrote. And he gets about two words in and she goes, I hate you. And then she goes, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. Keep going. And he strums again. And then she goes, I hate you. (laughs) That's how I felt in that moment. And that's Mm -hmm. how I feel sometimes in my life when men do things in my head. I'm like, I hate you. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) It like escapes. And that's completely accurate and valid. (laughs) I hate myself. And that's valid. And that is indeed valid mm-hmm. to feel that way. This was the last note I have on here. One hour, 29 minutes, 45 seconds. The whole scene when they first get to the hospital and Amy Poehler's in the wheelchair and they have to wheel her down the hall. It's all one shot. And she is just screaming and like pulling at things. <laughs> and she's like trying to get the IV and like screaming. Like obviously they're like, all right, Amy, you're, go- you're in pain. Go nuts. You're going, go nuts. Great. That's a great little scene because, yeah. again, you can tell where they allowed her very restrained for a very short amount of time to, like, just fucking go nuts for a sec. She grabs, like, an IV bag mm-hmm. and then also I think she looks at a nurse and is like, why are you smiling? Stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite part is there's a guy on the right laying in a bed and she's like, is he dead? <laughs> she was like, point at he's, She's like, he's, that man is dead. <laughs> so good oh well if we're talking i mean let's talk about the tina fey and amy poehler of it all this is some questions i wanted to ask you where it's like well this is the thing how like you you are a comedy woman we both appreciate comedy and like we have our comedic influences Mm -hmm. Would you say Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were big influences? I mean, they were huge, kind of at a very influential time in our, like, mental development. Mm -hmm. Would you say that they were a very big influence on you? Completely. I would say Tina a bit more than Amy. Yes. If you haven't noticed by the number Mm -hmm. of times I said, not 30 Rock. Rock. Jesus Christ. Like, I think 30 Rock specifically may still be my favorite tv show of all time and definitely has been since i was 12 mm-hmm. when i first started watching it it made me like understand what a comedy writer was and mm-hmm. i think <laughs> i've modeled my entire life after liz lemon to some degree so i feel like yeah it, tina tina definitely and amy in in a similar way mm-hmm. i mean i love parks and rec and then you know taking classes at ucb mm-hmm. and all that stuff her her, uh, you know, her baby, her baby, her company that she founded, mm-hmm. definitely. And I feel like I did. I, I wanted to look into this more, but 
this movie and any other movies that they were paired really felt like the precursor to the gross out female comedy like we were saying of like Trainwreck and Amy Schumer mm-hmm. and of Bridesmaids I think if you don't have Baby Mama you don't have Bridesmaids that's a very I think that's probably true I'm not sure if I would go so far to say as if you don't have Baby Mama you don't have Bridesmaids because for me the Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were not that huge for me in terms of comedy mm-hmm. like I don't remember really watching them on Weekend Update I remember Tina Fey and Seth Meyers being a duo um and that's more prominent in my brain mm-hmm. and like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler for me like basically this movie is their their whole thing mm-hmm. um I didn't see Parks and Rec until I was older mm. I I still haven't seen most of 30 Rock um let's stop recording and just just watch the first season real quick (laughs) um but person who was an influence on me was Kristen Wiig yeah Kristen Wiig in SNL and like Bridesmaids is so good and like Maya Rudolph was also a big influence for me so like that sort of duo Mm -hmm. was actually bigger for me than than this one Mm -hmm. um and so for me, maybe it's just me personally speaking and just my love for Kristen Wiig where I'm just kind of like, I feel like Kristen Wiig was just like on a freight train that was not gonna stop. Mm -hmm. Like she was just kind of unstoppable in just like, she was such such a bust out, like incredible star of SNL and just like an asset. Um, She truly is like, cause she started out at Groundlings, I believe. mm -hmm. And she really exemplifies that kind of style of comedy of she can do a million voices she can do a million characters she can do impressions she can do off the wall crazy shit yes whereas i feel like second city where our other girlies originated from is feels a bit more rigid and by the book Mm -hmm. a little bit and a bit more satire based instead of like you know character silliness based so yeah they're those two Kristen wig exists in like a different universe than Tina and Amy, I feel like. I, I agree. I think that's a very good good way to put it. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, Bridesmaids was going to happen no matter what because Kristen Wiig is unstoppable and she's incredible. But I think you make a good point where, like, for me, Tina think... and Amy did it first. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that, like, they gave Kristen the confidence. Necess- I mean, I don't know no. I don't know her mind. But, I like... think I see it less in, as an artistic, like... Kristen saw Baby Mama as, and was inspired, which these were four years You're apart. Right. I see it as more of a... Um, Producers. Yeah, studios being like, oh, this yeah. is a viable thing that we can do. Mm-hmm. And Kristen, some girls named Kristen Wig and Annie Mumolo gave us the script. And I now don't know. That's, that, those and maybe it'll work. Like That's if, mother and mother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, um, if Baby Mama did well, maybe, maybe this will do well. well I'm the, sure there was some another, like ladies being disgusting or being well, gauche movie before this but. i think the hangover also had a big influence on that mm-hmm. where it's kind of you know surrounded around marriage and mm-hmm. the the celebrations beforehand and everything mm-hmm. that can go wrong mm-hmm. so i think the hangover being released and being such a mega hit mm-hmm. probably combined with just the absolute incredible comedy of Kristen wig you know 
the production and Baby Mama probably, you know, making quite a profit in the theaters and stuff that probably all sort of collided and a bunch of other tiny things we will never know about mm-hmm. to allow Bridesmaids to become just an incredible big comedy. Yes. Big studio a comedy. A world change. Like, that's the thing, too. And yeah. comparing those two movies. Yeah. Bridesmaids changed Shits all the over world. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it changed the comedy landscape. Yeah. It was like, it broke a fucking glass ceiling in yeah. such an insane way that, yeah. like, Baby Mama was still a pretty rote rom-com. Yes, exactly. Very by the book. And again, where it's like, the joke happens and there isn't a Mm follow-up, you know? Um, They don't allow the comedy to go to really... um, you don't have roll. an yeah. It doesn't really roll. Yes. Yeah. You don't have Melissa McCarthy giving a speech for five minutes, minutes. about seeing a dolphin. Yeah. They, so, like in in um, Bridesmaids, there's the scene where like after, I mean, so much of Bridesmaids too is just like Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig like cheating and trying to get the in the park and like getting yeah. the classes by like watching Terry Crews from afar yeah. and like they're just sort of improving lines and then they go to the coffee shop and they do the like do I have something in my teeth? He said like, you needed dental work. <laughs> I don't need dental, dental work. work. <laughs> <laughs> like and it's just like this is this is kind of what Baby Mama is missing. Whereas you sit these two women down across yeah. from each other and be like, all right gonads here are your little props yeah they allow them to do that just such a sliver of an amount of an amount and that's why i hate to say it like you know uh, (sighs) or maybe they are improving the entire time and tina fey just sucks (laughs) i think what it is is that we've gotten so many Kristen. i feel the same way about skeleton twins which is very much a dramedy yeah oh but uh, key there is a great have you seen that sorry have you outtake the outtake where she's office where she says obama Yeah. <laughs> both both skeleton twins and bridesmaids when you have those scenes between her and bill Hader, brother and sister or her and maya rudolph best friends, best friends the the funny goofy conversation between two people who are vibing that feels mm-hmm. very real of like yeah just two funny people could come up with this yeah. this is not written by comedians mm-hmm. it's just funny goofy people goofing around we didn't get to have that in Baby Mama or in Sisters, really, because they were diametrically opposed. Like, they never got yeah. to be peas in a pod together. Well, this is my question. When did they ever get to be peas in a pod together? Because one of my questions is, does their chemistry as a duo hold up? And I'm not sure if I ever bought it in the first place, if I'm being honest. I think the only t- I mean, I feel like the only time we get to see them be peas in a pod is fucking Weekend Update. But so much of that is also scripted. Yeah. And so I can't imagine, I don't remember like really seeing Tina Fey and Amy Poehler unrestricted play off of each other. Completely. I I think we have not received that media yet. And I'm certain that they can. They're on tour. I know. I, I never want to see it. <laughs> I do. I, I, if, if I could get I reasonable tickets to it, because. I'm good. <laughs> I'm just like, you're old now. <laughs> For me, it's, it would be like paying days. paying respects to like the two people who like raised me, it seems like. That's fair. That's fair. But definitely in, in all of their pairings or even just movies they're in together, like Mean Girls, mm-hmm. either we don't see they them They don't together. interact, really. Oh, they're in wine country together. I forgot about wine country. Yeah. I'm, I may be due for a rewatch on that one, but I do feel like, oh, wait, no, Tina Fey's not even... Uh, in that movie 
Yeah, she's I was going to say. She's not a part of the friend group, I don't think, right? No, that's Amy Poehler and... Uh, Paula Pell. And is that her name? Rachel Dratch, Anna Gasteyer, Maya Rudolph. But Tina Fey, if I recall correctly, is not part of the friend group. She's like in the movie. Maybe as someone who rents them out the cottage or something. Mm-hmm. So even then, we don't get to see them be friends. Yeah. Which I'm... I feel like if they did that, I'm, I'm missing that. I mm-hmm. want that at some point. I hope we still get it. Yeah. All right. Well... You've asked this question of many people uh-huh. on the show, mm-hmm. and now you finally get to answer it. <sighs> I'm on the other end. Yes. I'm on the other side of things. <laughs> I'm one with the people. I'm in front of the you're, firing squad. You're, you're Aladdin putting a fucking blanket over his head and going out with the Oh, no. What's her name? Jasmine. You're Princess Jasmine. <laughs> Aladdin was the poor one. Oops. Um... <laughs> You're Princess Jasmine. You're putting the blanket over your head. And you said, I'm one of you guys. Yes. They're like, no, you're fucking not. Because you don't have scurvy. So we know you're royalty. You also tried to steal a goddamn apple because you didn't think you had to pay for it. You freak. You fucking privileged bitch. <laughs> what a Kate. She's such a Kate. She is. Okay. So contemporary favorite that you hope the next generation will catch on TV. My pick for this one is the 2016 film Sing Street, the John Carney film. Part of why this came to me, and if I were ever to have a sponsor for this show, listen closely, Pluto TV. Mm -hmm. I love it dearly. And I love that they have movie channels where you can watch something midstream. Yeah. For a while there, they were showing Sing Street. And every time it was on, I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch the middle of Sing Street. Yeah. Hell yeah, I am. And I, that demonstrated to me, I was like, this is the perfect TV movie. You can click in anywhere mm-hmm. and it'll be entertaining. Um, I love like a feel good indie and that's what I would characterize it as. Yeah. And personally for me, I just love, um, like I love 80s new wave music. So anytime they try to do a pastiche of that in the movie in any way, it's so, it's such a charming movie that mm-hmm. like everyone can enjoy. And for me, it never gets old. I've seen it so many times now at this point. I think that's a really great pick. I have not seen the movie myself, but I've been wanting to watch it for a long time because... Have you seen the other ones? Well, it, he the director has kind of been doing just a similar thing with all of his yeah, films. Yeah, so he did once and then he did yes. Begin Again. I've seen Begin Again. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it when I was a teenager and really enjoying it. I really liked like Kira Knightley's outfits or something. Yeah. And Adam Levine was a very believable shitty yes. fiance or whatever. Yes, he was. <laughs> Such... But it was also like looking back, on, I was like, this was kind of like a weird movie. It felt It's kinda... very sad. Yeah, it's kind of sad. And just like, if I met Mark Ruffalo's character in real life, I would probably, I would write his suicide note and kill him <laughs> myself. I would... <laughs> I would be. I would take Catherine Keener by the shoulders and be like, "Girlie, why don't you go take a bubble bath?" And oh. then I would take Mark Ruffalo out back and shoot him dead. <laughs> you wouldn't do the headphone splitter walk. I would through not the city. do the headphone split walk through the city. In fact, if he proposed that to me, I'd be like, "Sure, put it in." We get to an alleyway. I strangle him with it. <laughs> Man found dead. Man found dead. Man found dead, strangled by, garroted by headphones. Yeah, I just found his character to be, like, so sort of pretentious and, like, also, like, he's a bad dad in the movie and he's driving around, like, this old car and I, like, really remember being, like, 14 and watching it being, like, 
I don't like this guy. Yeah. I don't yeah. like this guy. He's a very, like, morally gray, I feel like, guy. That It's very redemption arc for him, which right. I have a hard time sometimes with male characters. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they find redemption. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing Street as, like, the funny, silly, like, it, it never really feels that somber. Or if it does, it's it's never in a gross way. You just yeah. like, feel bad for, like, what the kid is going through. And then It's also, a coming of age. Yes, yes. And it has my favorite thing ever. Favorite, like, micro-genre coming of age where children create some kind of art mm-hmm. so i love movies about like kids making a movie oh like, yeah i love son of rambo i like that component of super eight too mm-hmm. um and this is a movie about kids starting a band and making music videos i oh, love it oh it's so cute i've been wanting to watch it for a long time because i remember like a lot of the actors in that sh- in that movie I've seen them in projects. I'm like, man, they're really good. And I know they're in this movie. And I really want to watch it. Did you see Coda? Yes, I did see Coda. I didn't like Coda. It was what it was. But um, the the main, like the boy. Best picture. Oh, yeah. Was a choice we made as a nation. Let the record show that Annie hates deaf people. Yep. She hates them. That's right. (laughs) She's sick of you. I'm actually the, like fishmonger like manager or whatever who like <laughs> discriminated against them he's like i can't fucking understand you i can't understand you you've been coming here seven years and i can't understand you <laughs> let the record show annie takes the side of the ignorant people <laughs> that, that movie was a disney channel film oh yeah which is just like ba- it's just like baffling to me. Like her singing "Clouds" and signing it at the end, I was just like, whatever. I think if it, if that movie had gotten no Oscar buzz or even just gotten like just uh, performance Oscar noms, the fact that it was nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. it, was it just the like was really surprising to me because there was nothing particularly spectacular about any aspect. Like the directing was fine, the script was fine, the mm-hmm. acting was fine, like. Mm-hmm. It didn't really feel like it felt like a like made for TV movie almost, mm-hmm. and I just didn't. I'm sorry, Coda. Like I'm, I'm so sorry. It My, also felt like um, it felt plucked right out of the '80s. Frankly, yeah, it felt kind of like did. it reminded me of like Ordinary People or whatever. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, if this was in the 80s, this would be insanely revolutionary. That mm-hmm. being said, like, obviously, deaf representation is on the fucking floor. So, like, yeah, yeah. still make that movie. It was yeah. great. But I think the the nomination for Best Picture is what made people look twice at it and be like, oh, I don't think it reaches that level. But yeah. it's a perfectly delightful film. Yeah, it is it is a solid, solid film. Yes. But I think there were, like, in terms of directing, writing, like, the artistry that goes into it mm-hmm. was just like more unique Mm -hmm. like coda was sweet but i wanted something more umami to win powerful (laughs) that's i totally stole that from someone also but um (laughs) i think sing street especially since you've you've tested it yeah on pluto tv that is a that is that's an incredible recommendation (laughs) it's tried and true well, this is a thing, like, do you think this way of viewing movies, like, skipping around on the TV channels and, like, you know, on that little thing, on the little graph or whatever, the mm-hmm. grid. and the guide. Like, the guide, yes. And, um, you know, finding stuff. Do you think there is a sort of streaming alternative or something that's equal to that? Like, I mean, people scroll through Netflix and, and HBO and all that. 
Do you think Pluto TV is something that like kids are really watching, or do you think they? I hope they are. How, I doubt they this are. This is such but... a. I'm, I don't know even even know why I'm asking this. I'm like, how how in are you with the teens? Like, how the fuck would you know? <laughs> you don't. Ha- you're not a teacher. You're not a social worker. I'm just like, given your zero knowledge, and the last mm-hmm. time you interacted with a teenager, which was probably ten years ago when you were a teenager, how do you think teens are acting today? Like what? I truly think like. You know, I love Pluto to death, and I I hope that maybe there's teens who are discovering it. I don't know. But now we're getting to the point where there are going to be people who have been raised without a, like, programmed TV world. They will only have access to Netflix from the time that they were, like, a child in streaming Mm -hmm. services. So it's, like, a foreign concept to them. Yeah. So I hope they discover Pluto TV. Some of, like, I know Netflix has a feature that's, like, surprise me. So it's like, okay. I don't know anyone who's ever actually used that. What is that? So does it just like... It's like, I can't can't decide. Pick something for me. And I don't know if you can narrow it down or be like, I can't decide on a movie. And so what if it starts... What if you're like... What if it does season four of Stranger Things? It starts playing (laughs) Keep Sweet. Like, what does that mean? I know. Like, that... That's a dangerous game. (laughs) I know. That's a dangerous game. The whole fucking point of like why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place and I maybe this is the 10th time I've said it but I think that is the most prime way for young children to find new movies is to find Mm -hmm. them on tv you're you will never be like a 12 year old kid and be on Netflix and be like what's the imitation game like I'm just gonna watch that whole thing beginning to end but if you see that there's 40 minutes left of something called the imitation game on TNT you might be like oh yeah I'll put this on yeah that's a very good point. Yeah. Attention span. Yes. How much are you willing to invest in a new experience? Yes. Where I think like people's time and attention is more and more like a commodity mm-hmm. that you need to fight for. Yes. And so, I mean, I totally feel that where I'm just like, I'm not sure if I want to watch this two hour movie somebody recommended me. Yes. Because that is two hours. I'm not going to, I could be scrolling on Instagram. <laughs> You know how many TikToks I could watch in that time? (laughs) Like, I'm just, that's the thing, too. I'm like, oh, but that's two hours. I'm never going to get back. How about the four hours you spent on, (laughs) spent on YouTube, your YouTube feed, just scrolling and scrolling and just not picking a video essay? Yeah. Like, it's a fair point. To turn it around on you, did you have So this was tough. Mm Mm-hmm. I so when I was thinking of movies, the ones that initially popped into my head were movies that I've watched on streaming services. So I'm kind of like, well, if they're already on, like I was trying to be realistic about it. It's like, well, if it's already on Hulu, like first thing that popped into my head was Palm Springs mm. because it's it's a Lonely Island film, mm-hmm. but like it's actually good. It's it's a f- comedy rom com, mm-hmm. and like that's ideal TV movie, but it's hulu produced so it's just always going to be on hulu yeah and so i think i kind of ended up just going the same direction you did where you're like this is something that i myself have stopped started in the middle of and just like i'm fine watching it Mm -hmm. and for me i narrowed it down to two it's big short and spotlight the big short and spotlight because for me freshman year of college i would smoke weed at night get back to my dorm and at the time both the spotlight and the big short were on netflix and i would just click on them 
whichever one I had been watching last and just picked up wherever I left off oh. and like went to sleep. And I'd see like I'd seen the movie starting at every different point and watched it to every different possible end point. Like I I love both of those movies very much. If I had to pick one, I'd say the big short just because it is like sort of an interesting sort of biopic. Mm-hmm. It's a definitely slower paced film. So I think the big short would be a lot easier to jump into at a random point yeah. because each individual scene is funny and has written comedy whereas spotlight you really depend on just seeing this whole narrative unfold yeah and the big short you constantly have fourth wall breaks where a character's like here's where we are and here's what's happening so that's helpful if you're jumping in at a halfway point definitely well what i like about this podcast if i can just speak on it as a whole oh please final episode let's let's reminisce Mm -hmm. um there's so many different types of movies that people... Catch Me If You Can is, like, mm. a classic, very, like... It's Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And he delivers the All-American to the Americans. And that is absolutely a TV movie. But yeah. then you also have sort of, like, rom-coms, like Baby Mama, mm-hmm. where it's also just a great little TV film. And you can... Shawshank Redemption Ugh. is, like, the TV movie. Yes. Because that is how it became what it was. Mm-hmm terrible box office you Mm -hmm. know but amc bought it and through people watching it and them just playing it on their channel Mm -hmm. is how people saw this film and loved this film yeah and that is like it's like it's a wonderful life yeah flopped at the box office became public domain Mm because everyone hated it so much and then they aired it on tv so much that it's now one of like the best movies ever made yes exactly yeah exactly and so I love just like, it really doesn't depend on genre. Mm -hmm. It doesn't depend on how long it is either. It just, it has to have that it factor. It's gotta have that it factor. That that quality that you can't quite explain. Yeah. That makes it a perfect TV movie. Perfect TV movie. (laughs) Um, And it's... And that's what's fun about it. Yeah. I do I do wish that I do hope that the teens are watching Pluto TV. Me too. Teens. Teens. If you're listening, it's free <laughs> and you don't have to make an account. I'm such a shill for Pluto TV. Yeah. It's free and you don't have to make an account. Granted there are ads. You're have you seen um in community subway? Oh yeah. <laughs> you're Pluto TV. I'm Pluto TV. Yeah. Um it's it's completely free. They've got like 24-hour channels of certain TV shows, but then there's also there's there's an IFC channel. So like if there's channels that you want to access that are premium that I don't know, if you want to watch Portlandia and documentary now for free. Mm-hmm. Just pop that on yeah. or like, you know, there's a lot of shows that are only available on Pluto TV. I'm pretty sure Comedy Bang Bang is only on Pluto TV right now. You are such a whore. I am. <laughs> Um, so yeah, go to Pluto TV, search through the movies, click on something halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. See if you like it. See if it's still a vibe. Yeah. It probably is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.